27, the ultimate punchline. Genesis 21 verse 6 says, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh at me. For further reading, if you want to, you can read Genesis 18 verses 1 through 15, 1 Samuel 1 and 2, and Luke 1 verses 5 through 56. So what I meant to say was lawfully wedded wife, but what came out was awfully wedded wife. (laughs) The wedding descended into chaos. Have you ever said something in deadly earnest only to find it sets everyone off laughing? For a moment you wonder why, and then you realize your words came out wrong and what you said was preposterous. It happened to God, twice. But God didn't get his words wrong. He was being deadly earnest. It was Abraham and Sarah who thought it sounded preposterous. God tells Abraham that his wife will have a son. In fact, she's going to become the mother of nations. Abraham, we read, fell face down and laughed. Abraham fell about laughing, we might say, or we might text ROFL, rolling on the floor laughing. (laughs) To Abraham, the thought of Sarah having a son sounded preposterous. Abraham was too old. Sarah was too old. And Sarah had been barren all her life. Abraham said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? Not long afterwards, three strangers visit Abraham. Abraham offers them hospitality, as was customary. At the beginning of the story, they appear as three men, but the writer tips us off that this is an appearance of the Lord. And by the end of the story, it is the Lord who speaks. And this is what he says. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. It turns out Sarah has been eavesdropping and overhears this conversation. Just in case we'd forgotten, the writer reminds us that Abraham and Sarah are too old to have children. It says, So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? It's a preposterous idea. Sounds like a joke. The obvious response is laughter, and Sarah's laughter does not go unnoticed. In verse 13 through 14, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is a joke on a global scale. At stake is not just Sarah's pleasure. At stake is the future of humanity. For God had promised that all nations would be blessed through Abraham's offspring. God promised a savior would come from the family of Abraham, but Abraham has no family, not of his own. It looks like the Lord has made a terrible mistake. He staked the future of humanity on a barren, past-it couple. What a joke. But God gets the last laugh, quite literally. For a year later, Sarah does indeed give birth to a son, and the name of the child is Isaac, which means laughter. Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. As he had said what he had promised, at the very time God had promised. Let no one doubt this is God's doing, and that's the point. God was signaling at the start of the story of salvation that the future of humanity does not depend on human power or goodness. It depends on his power and his grace. Indeed, just in case we don't get the message, God repeats the fear in the next, gener- the fe- in the next generation. Isaac's wife, Rebekah, 
is also barren until God gives her a child. Then he does it again. The generation after that, Jacob's second wife, Rachel, is barren until God gives her a child. It's a pattern that is repeated throughout Scripture. At crucial moments throughout the Bible story, a key child is born of a previously barren woman. The judge Samson is born to a barren couple. The prophet Samuel is born to a barren wife, Hannah. John the Baptist is born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, an elderly barren couple. What does this mean? Why has God repeatedly done this? And then it all becomes clear. God goes one better as the Messiah, the ultimate Savior, is born to a virgin. When barren Hannah finally gives birth, she sings a song. For Samuel 2, verses 1 and 10. And Mary's song, the Magnificat of Luke 1, 46-55, is full of echoes of Hannah's song. The songs link their experiences. The birth of Jesus to a virgin is the ultimate display of God's creative and recreative power. This is the significance of the virgin birth. It's the ultimate sign that salvation is all God's work and not the result of human potency. Perhaps that's why some people deny the virgin birth. They want to retain the idea that human beings have a role in determining their future. They laugh at the virgin birth, just as Abraham and Sarah did when, a promised, chi- when promised a child. Abraham is asked by his visitor, Is anything too hard for the Lord? When the angel tells Mary the Holy Spirit will come on her in power, he adds, For nothing will be impossible with God. Is anything too hard for God? No, nothing is too hard for God. God gets the last laugh time and time again. But the lovely thing about this joke is that we can join in the laughter. God gets the last laugh, but he shares that laughter with us. Sarah says, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. The joke, quote unquote, is that humanity appeared to have no future, but God has given us a future. The joy of Isaac's birth is the joy of humanity's rebirth. And this joy is infectious. When you truly hear this good news, you respond with joy. What will the source of your joy and laughter be in the next few weeks? Video clips on your Facebook feed? Old comedy shows? Children opening presents? Or will you radiate joy because you know how unbelievably good the good news is? Let's pray. Father, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all your holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all your fullness. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.